And now, if you would, join me in our scripture reading from Mark chapter 2, verses 18 through 22. Hear the word of God. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, and some people came and asked Jesus, how is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but yours are not? Jesus answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot, so long as they have him with them. But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and that day they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, he pours new wine into new wineskins. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, I get this cough out of my throat. Here we go. Again, I stood up here July, I think it was 5th, 2015, maybe 6th, something like that. Um, Anyway, I stood up here for the first time in this church and delivered a message, well actually I was up there. And then, we know what happened in 2018, I stepped down and Pastor Ian took over, and here I am again. And I wanted to take just a little bit of time today, the message that I have for you is more of a personal message and more of a where I see us going from here, chance for you to get to know your new pastor because I am new. I am not the guy who stood up here on whatever day it was in July 2015. I am not that person anymore, and I don't want to be that person anymore, and I praise God that I'm not that person. So I want you to meet your new pastor, because I truly am brand new. Um, There was a reason I stepped down, and I kind of want to clear the air a little bit on a couple of things first. First of all, um, I think there's some confusion, my fault, I got a lot of change going on right now. I start a new job tomorrow, tomorrow morning at eight o'clock. And I put on Facebook that I had stepped down from my job at West Banco. And I think people, some people immediately thought, oh, he's gonna be a full-time pastor. Not yet. I didn't say no, I said not yet. Uh, I do believe that someday that may happen, just not yet. So I quit my job at West Banco and I'm starting a new job at a company called HealthSmart, a health insurance company. I start that tomorrow at 8 a.m. So a lot of change going on. Um, <clears throat> so I'm not full-time. That's the first thing I wanted to clear up. Still part-time, but still going to try to give as much as I can, like I did before. Um, another thing is Pastor Ian was, he truly was part-time, okay? but he really put in a lot of work that kind of made him like full time. He had the time to do it and he loved doing it. I don't, truly don't believe I'll be able to give as much as he gave, but I'll give all that I can. But I don't want to burn myself out and I'm sure that none of you would want me to do that either. (laughs) 
thank you. Um, but I also believe because I am a new person that, that that's just not going to happen. It's, it's not going to happen. God won't let it happen. There's, just, there's too much that has changed. And so which brings me to why did I step down last time? Well, a lot of people don't know this. Pastor Ian and I just didn't tell anybody. We sat, we think where I am, we sat in that gazebo over there in the park. And I said to him one day, I said, you ever thought about being a pastor? He says, I was going to ask you what I needed to do. So God had been speaking to both of us. And at that time, I was serving two churches, this one and Brooks Run. And my thought was, hey, maybe Ian can take over at Brooks Run. And while we were talking, and I said to him, I said, well, I know that there are a few Methodist churches that don't have a pastor right now. In fact, where he was living with his mom at the time, I said, you pass one on the way here. They don't have a pastor. And God's like, nope. So I didn't say anything. I didn't even bring up that church at all. I said, okay, it's Brooks Run. Nope. <laughs> I'm like, come on, Lord. I said, Ian, this may sound strange, but I think you're going to be the pastor of this church. And I pointed over here. He said, I was thinking the same thing. I thought, well, that's not what I wanted, <laughs> but that's what God wanted. And, and absolutely. And I said to him, God will have to get involved because I know what it takes to become a pastor in the United Methodist Church. And he didn't meet the very first requirement of being a member of that church for at least one year, or not, not that church, a United Methodist Church. He didn't meet that requirement right away. So I said, it's going to take God to intervene to make it happen. Well, guess what? Is there anything impossible for God? No. It was so simple. He had been coming here. He had been attending here. And it was coming up on a year. And the district superintendent said, we'll just make his membership retroactive, make it a year. That satisfies that requirement. Go God. So anyway, Pastor Ian took over because... Not because I was burned out, not because I had had enough, not for any other reason other than God wanted him to take over here. I saw it as relief. I was doing two churches. It was difficult. Sure, God provided a way for me to do it. I, it wasn't that I wanted to. It helped, sure. But I also didn't realize at the time that God wanted that for two reasons. Well, three reasons. One, for Pastor Ian to help him grow. He's grown a lot in the last four years, a lot. To help me grow, I've grown a lot in the last four years. And to help this church grow. And this church has grown a lot in the last four years. So God knew what he was doing. He was taking three different situations, putting them all together, and making it benefit everyone involved. So that's why I stepped down. So then, I loved it. I started doing this ministry on Facebook. I don't, some of you know about it. Some of you may be hearing about it for the first time. It started out as a program called At the Table, where I would sit in front of a table with a red tablecloth, woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning. God said, write this down. Red tablecloth, table, and Bible study. Those three words. So I wrote them down, and I went back to sleep. Forgot all about it until months later, I kept thinking, this is when Ian was starting to take over. I said, you know, I'd really like to do something on the internet. And then I remembered everything I heard at 3 o'clock in the morning that one morning. And I put it all together, and I said, okay. So I sat down, and I used to do it back there. I would record it back there in the back of the church. And 
I would, for a half hour, would just talk, kind of like doing a sermon. And then that, God said, okay, it's, it's time to stop that. And then Ian came in, and we started doing a program together on Facebook that we called Uplift. And Ian got sick. We did several episodes, like maybe 20 episodes, and he got sick. And I didn't want to do it alone. I knew I wasn't supposed to do it alone, so I said, hey, Chad. So I got called Chad McLeish. Jim Brem filled in one time, too. Chad joins in, does a fantastic job. And then he's, God spoke again to both Ian and myself and said, Chad needs to be the third person. So now every week, Chad, Ian, and I get together, and we record a show called Uplift. You can find it on YouTube. You can find it on Facebook. Every Thursday night at 7 p.m., it'll be there if you want to watch it. Now, from that, also, the, the ministry I had started called At the Table kind of turned into something where I do a lot shorter message called Bible Time, and I'm still doing that. But that was part of that growth process that helped me, if I could tie this back into the scripture, stop trying to put new wine into old wineskins. Because here's something you don't know about me. Well, maybe I told you, maybe you remember, but I went to church as a child six, maybe seven times. From the time I was born until I was 24 years old, six or seven times. Maybe eight if I forgot about one. Yeah, and I became a pastor five years later at the age of 29. And now I'm 52. So in that time, I knew God was calling me to be a pastor, but I didn't know what that meant. I didn't even know the word pastor was in the Bible at that time. It is, several places. But I didn't know that. I didn't know hardly anything. So I tried to search the internet, which was very young at that time, and I would listen to people, I'd read books, and I'd try to figure things out. I said, okay, this is the way you gotta do it. The old way, the old wineskins. I was trying to do everything the way I thought I was supposed to do it. That whole time I was here from 2015 to 2018, trying to do things the way I thought I was supposed to do it. Now you might say, hey, you did a great job. Okay, praise God. But that's not the way I'm going to do things anymore. That's not the way I'm going to be a pastor anymore. In fact, I feel like I was more of a pastor in the last four years than I was in the prior 17 years or 18 years, whatever it was. I was more of a pastor in those four years and will be more of one going forward than I ever was in all that time I was trying to do it the old way, the man's way, the way that I thought I should do it. So what's that mean? What's, what's different? Well, you'll see. You'll, you'll get the journey with me, because I still don't know. All I know is that God's speaking, and I'm listening, and we're going to do what he says. So that's the kind of the administrative part I wanted to get out in front of you first before anything else. The next thing is, I think, feel it's really important to bring it up at this point. You know, Pastor Ian and I talked in, for so many years. When do we bring this up? When do we bring this to the forefront? And we kind of touched on it a little bit in the past, but I really feel like God's saying now is the time to bring this out, let everybody hear it, so that we can be ready for when it comes. And I know a lot of you know what I'm going to say, and some of you may be hearing it for the first time. 
We belong to the United Methodist Church. In 1968, the Methodist Episcopal Church and the Evangelical United Brethren Church came together. They took the United part from the Evangelical United Brethren, they took the Methodist part from Methodist Episcopal, <clears throat> and formed United Methodist. That's where we got our name in 1968. That's where we got that logo that's hanging on the back wall in 1968. So as part of the United Methodist Church, every four years they have what they call a general conference and they make laws and decisions and they kind of get the feel for where the world's going and we, they try to stay new, if you will. In 1972, there was something put in to the Book of Discipline that has caused controversy since 1972. And the phrase, and I don't remember exactly, but the phrase is that basically saying that we believe that the practice of homosexuality is against Christian teaching and should not be encouraged. Something like that, okay? People have been fighting over that since 1972, trying to get it out. And it's come to the point now, with all the changes in society and all the changes in other churches, it's coming to a point where the United Methodist Church, if God doesn't step in, and I'm still saying he can, if he doesn't step in, this denomination is going to split into at least two, possibly three different denominations. One of them being a whole bunch of independent people, a whole bunch of independent churches. There's one side that wants to keep the name United Methodist. They want to allow uh, self-avowing and self-avowing and practicing homosexuals to be ordained. That's the basic premise. There's another side that says, we do not want that. And there's a side that says, I don't know what you guys are doing. We're going out on our own. Okay? So let's talk about that for a moment. If you don't know what the Bible says, I'm just going to tell you, turn to Leviticus chapter 18 or Romans chapter 1. Leviticus 18 and 19, those two chapters, and Romans chapter 1. Okay, those are the two basic places where you can find out what the Bible says. There's more, but that's a good start. And that's all I'm going to say about that. I don't care if you have purple hair, if you have green skin, if you have four arms. I don't care what you look like. I don't care what you do. I don't care who you are. If you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, then you are considered worthy to go to heaven. Everything else is between you and God. That's my stand on it. I feel it's important that you know my stand on it. I accept everyone for who they are. However, as a pastor, I would never take part in a marriage that is not between a man and a woman, and I would do not believe that self-avowed practicing homosexuals should be ordained. Okay, so that's where I stand. So I feel it's important you know where I stand, and that's the last I'm going to say about that. But I do want to talk about what's going to happen, possibly, well, they keep kicking the can down the road. It was supposed to happen this year, this month in May. And then they changed it. It's now going to happen in September, I believe, of 2024. Or maybe it was supposed to be September of this year, and then they moved it to September of 2024, where they're going to make this decision. But this month, you already can 
if you want to, leave the United Methodist Church and become part of this new, what's it called, World Methodist Church? Is that right, Chad, you know? World Methodist Church is what they're calling it. Or you can go out and be independent. There's a whole bunch of legalities involved in that, and I'm not saying which way our church should go, but our church does have to make a decision. And the last I heard, and this may have changed, but the last I heard was you have to make a decision by December 31st, 2023. If you don't make any decision, you stay as a United Methodist. Okay. But it's something that we need to think about. It's something that we need to decide as a church, what do we want? What do we believe? Where do we want to go? And I'm not going to try to direct you one way or the other. I will answer any questions the best I can. And if I can't answer it, I'll find out and get the information for you. So feel free to ask me. Um, I don't know what, what's coming, but I will help lead you and guide you through it all. Because that's my job and that's what God has put me in this place this very day for to do that, to lead you and guide you through any transition that may take place. Things could be different two years from today. In fact, I'm going to make a mental note that two years from today I'm going to talk about it. Hey, remember two years ago when I started again? See here how far we've come? So we will find out where that is. Okay, so now back to the scripture. Let's talk about this for a moment, and then we'll kind of wrap up. So today's just kind of an introductory, a reintroduction. Um, next week, I got a really good message for you. I think you're going to enjoy. But um, I do want to talk a little bit about the passage, and there's a reason I brought it up. One, because to show how I was trying to put, if you will, the old or the new wine into old wineskins. Uh, how I was trying to sew, sew on a, a new patch onto an old garment. And does anybody ever remember that? I remember when I would skin my knees up, my jeans, and get a big hole in it. My mom would put a patch on it, and she'd iron it on, or she'd sew it on. And after a while, it just ripped out again, and eventually I just peeled it off and skinned my knee again. But so I understand. I can relate to that passage. I'm sure many of us can. I'm really showing my age now, aren't I? <laughs> well, anyway... What Jesus was saying was, he brought something new, something that they were not used to. Not really even something new. It was something that the whole entire Old Testament was leading up to, this point that Jesus was going to come on the scene. So it shouldn't have been new. But the reason it was new is because their tradition had changed them so much. They got so engulfed in human tradition, they didn't see him coming. And so when he comes on the scene and they're fasting, probably not even for the fast that is declared in Leviticus chapter 23, they're probably fasting for one of their traditional reasons. Otherwise, his disciples would have been fasting. That's how I know it wasn't the one that, the one fast that God said, this is the one I want you to fast on this day, Leviticus 23, it wasn't because of that. So they had come up with this tradition of fasting, and that wasn't what God had intended. And he said, look, there will come a time when they will fast, but right now, they're part of this new thing. And that's when he said, you can't put new wine into old wineskins. When you put, when you have a, put wine into a wineskin, the wineskin will begin to expand a little bit because of the fermentation. And if you put new wine in there, it's going to expand even more. It's going to burst it because it's already been expanded. 
That's why he said, don't put new wine into old wineskins. It'll cause them to burst. So when God's bringing something new in, he doesn't want you to hang on tight to that old tradition because it's going to burst because God's will is going to come forward. His kingdom is going to move forward is what, the, what Jesus was saying. So that is a great lesson for me in that when I learned over the last four years is don't try to do what everybody else has been doing for hundreds of years. I'm not John Wesley. I'm not Philip Otterbein, the two guys who started the Methodist Church. John Wesley on the Methodist side, Philip Otterbein on the Evangelical United Brethren side. You're not one of those guys. I'm moving you forward into something new. You can't keep doing what you did before. So I ask all of us, is there anything that we're trying to hold on to, digging our heels into, and man, I'm not moving. God is not going to move me. This is the way we did it for years. If there is, ask him, what can I do? And you know what? You might find out that all you need to do is change your thoughts. You can keep doing what you've been doing. Just change your thoughts on it. Or it could be, hey, I want you to put aside all that you've been doing in your life, and I want you to now do this new. I can't tell you what that is. That Only God can tell you what that is. Only he can help you because he knows you better than you know yourself, certainly better than I know any of you, and he knows what he's asking you to do. So ask him. And no matter if you're 20 years old or 90 years old or more, ask him, what can I do, Lord? What can I do to not be putting new wine into old wineskins? Now, there are many congregations, many denominations. There is a particular denomination who says they are the new wine. Oh, <laughs> they're in for a rude awakening. What is the new wine? You know what I think it is? I think it's as simple as God wants us to have a stronger relationship with him. That's it. It's not the flashy lights and the loud music. It's not folded hands or on your knees kind of prayer. It's nothing like that. That's religion. God wants to do away with religion. He wants relationship to replace religion. Relationship to replace religion. He wants you to know him as a friend, as someone intimate, close to. No, you can't see him. No, you can't pick up the cell phone and text him. But anytime you pray, anytime you talk to him, whether you have your hands folded or on your knees or whether you're just talking, even if you have your eyes open, if you're talking to God, he's listening. And he's talking back. That's what he wants. That's the new wine. That is what Jesus brought forth long ago. And that's what God wants now in the church that has taken that and turned it into, well, here's how we do things. This is the way we've done it for years, and it's always worked. I don't care what denomination or what church you're in. There are things that God doesn't, never wanted, but we brought it in. And now's the time that maybe we can change that, or maybe we won't. But it's up to us to first, individually, go to God and ask him, what can I do different? What do you want me to change? How do you want me to do this? And if you don't hear anything, ask again the next day. If you don't hear anything, ask again the next day. And you know what? You might get to the point where God finally just says, 
you're good. Or he might say, here's a list of 10 things. I don't know. For me, it's probably going to be 150. <laughs> but that's between me and God. So whatever it is that you need to change or you need to do different or you need to let go of or you need to grab a hold of, let God be the one to tell you what that is. Take your new wine and put it into the new wineskin and grow with it. New wineskins will expand as the new wine ferments and causes the expansion. And they'll be able to withstand it. But the new wine going into the old ways, you try to expand that, you ruin both. You ruin both. But it really comes down to one word, choice. Choice. Because every single one of us has a choice. And when that time comes, when we have to decide where are we going to go, which direction are we going to go with our congregation, it's going to come down to a choice. And there's a very good possibility that it may not be a unanimous choice. The bylaws of the church say it has to be a two-third decision. Two-thirds of professing members have to decide which way to go. Or if you don't get that, then you just automatically default to United Methodist Church. So that's a choice that's going to have to come up. But let's, let's not worry about that right now. Let's worry about today. What, God, can I do to get better with you, to improve my relationship with you? How do you improve your relationship with your spouse, your children, your friends, your cat, your dog? You spend time with them. You talk to them. You communicate. You find out what it is that they like, don't like, what to do, what not to do. And you start to give up. Well, they don't like that, so I'm going to give that up. They like this, so I'm going to do more of this. Right? That's how relationships work. We know this shouldn't be anything unusual to any of us. That's, we know how the relationship works. It's the same with God. Spend time with him. Talk to him. Find out what he likes that you're doing, what he likes that you're not doing what he wants you to do, what he doesn't want you to do. Keep working on that. And if we all do, we're not going to have a problem when the time comes that we have to make that choice. Because we'll all be hearing what God wants for us. What God wants for us may not be what he wants for the church down the street or the church across the state or a church in California. It may be the same. It may be different. God knows this church, he knows these people, he brought us here at this time for a reason, and he will speak to each of us if we let him. And that includes everybody on, watching on Facebook too, because they're just as much a part of our congregation, even if they've never stepped foot in these doors. So, talk to God about the new wine, and throw out those old wineskins, and let God give you the new wineskins. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for giving us this message. Thank you for guiding us in the decisions we have to make, both individually and corporately as a congregation. Father God, thank you for doing what you've done the last eight years for bringing me here, taking me out, and bringing me back. Father, Help us all 
to grow and know you better as we grow and know each other better. Father, help us as we want to do what is right by you. We want to do what your will is. So guide us in your ways and teach us and help us grow in our relationship. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.